Good evening, Austin Villa fans. Welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. First of all, before we get started, if you're new to this channel, please hit subscribe. And you can follow me on all audio platforms as well. This evening, I'm joined by my special guest, Frankie Maguire, who has previously been on my podcast before. He's the host of All Villa No Villa. In my opinion, I think All Villa No Villa is one of the most underrated Aston Villa podcasts that always produces very entertaining and interesting content. I'll be doing the pre-match talk show before Aston Villa's away visit to the South Coast against Bournemouth. Sunday is a 2pm kickoff. Can Aston Villa get another away win? and make it two consecutive Premier League victories. It's been a great time to be a Villa fan at the moment. So it's great to have you on the show again, Frankie. Thanks for the invite. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks for the very nice words about the All Villa No Villa podcast as well. I massively appreciate that. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Uh, Aston Villa are making my life far more uh, enjoyable uh, than it than they have done uh, for about, I would say, 20 years, longer than that. Um, every week I look forward to watching Villa now, which is a, a very rare treat uh, as a Villa fan and hopefully it can just continue as, as long as it, as it can, really. Because I think this team we've got now is probably the best we've had in years. Mm. As fans... We need to enjoy every moment of it. Oh, 100%. And uh, I, I agree. I think um, we've got a collection of players who are genuinely bona fide world-class talents in, you know, players like Emmy Martinez, Douglas Louise. I would argue Ollie Watkins and John McGinn are not far away from that sort of level at the moment as well, the way they're playing. Um, we've just got a range of players at the same time with a manager who is, you know, a proven <laughs> winner, arguably a genius, um, just doing things that are just so unique to watch as a Villa fan. Um, it's a very, very exciting time and one we should definitely um, make the most of. Because Uno Emery, he's showing his elite uh, coaching skills now. And he's, he's up there with Pep Guardiola, Jürgen Klopp, Jürgen Klopp. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I think with Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, um, what we have to look at with them, I think, is that, you know, they, I, I think they're the two best managers in the world. Um, and they, you know, they've won the Champions League multiple times. Um, but with, I think, Unai Emery is that I think that he is easily one of the best managers in the world. And uh, he seems to really excel at teams like Aston Villa. And if, you know, you look at his past, you know, you look at Sevilla, Valencia, Villarreal, teams that maybe aren't expected to always be in the top 
three, top four, competing for titles, winning trophies. And he's always consistently managed to get teams of, you know, that sort of um, level to, uh, to, to winning things. And I think that in comparison to when he was at Valencia and Sevilla before, he's at Aston Villa where there's a lot more financial firepower than he's probably had at those type of teams. I know he's been at Arsenal and PSG. I think what he did at Arsenal is a bit underrated. Yeah. It was very, very difficult to, to succeed there given the circumstances and the mess they were behind the scenes. But PSG, I think, again, I think he did an underrated job there given that how many top managers have gone there and have not won the Champions League. And he, you know, got to a quarterfinal. But, uh, yeah, um, I think we've got a very, very special coach. He got sort of fair criticism at Arsenal. Absolutely. Um, it was a mess. It was a mess. And, you know, I've got some very close friends who are Arsenal fans and they all say the same thing. He was on a bit of a highway to nothing there just because, you know, it was a really difficult circumstance he walked into. The dressing room wasn't necessarily United. Behind the scenes, it wasn't working out. Um, and he had to follow Arsene Wenger. And uh, in actually, you know, he managed to get them higher in the league than Wenger had the season before. And he got them to a European final, which Arsenal have not been to very many in their past. So he actually yeah. did a good job. It's just the second season, obviously, it didn't work out. But at the same time, you know, Arteta took a long time to get going there as well. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it's it, I, I think he did a better job at Arsenal in hindsight than people gave him credit for. And also, Frank, you know, we're in the top four in December. Mm. How does that sound? It's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Um, I can, <laughs> you know, uh, if I could... Uh, if I could make a painting of it, it'd be, you know, of my feelings, it'd be one of pure, pure joy, sunshine, blue skies, rabbits running around in fields and flowers growing everywhere. Just because, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, you did wonder, you know, after we had such a great run under him in the, in the, uh, in last season, would we be able to continue it into this season? And so far, so good. Winning every game at home has been absolutely amazing. Winning them generally with, with ease at home, really, going into games. Well, the home really record's incredible as well, yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. But um, but getting but those away games, you know, I think there's still a few questions to be answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times we look a bit vulnerable away from home at the moment. And I'm sure City and Arsenal will present to us questions at home that we haven't yet had given to us this season. But you just kind of think with this Villa team, if there is a setback or uh, whoever it is is turning up to players, you just think there's going to be a plan. And you think that, you know, it, as I say, if there's a setback, we'll bounce back from it. We won't just yeah. wither and fall away and struggle. We'll we'll find a way to come back from it. So um, for us to be where we are, we deserve to be there um, in that top four at the moment. And, uh, you know, I'm really starting to believe that, you know, there's it's, it's a very, very competitive top eight this season. There's some really, really strong teams out there, as strong as it's ever been. But I really believe that Aston Villa can be a team who, who can do it. We can get into those Champions League places. Let's talk about that crucial victory against Spurs mm-hmm. last weekend. What was your overall thoughts from a wide victory against Spurs? It was uh, it was a very needed win, I think, because you know we've had two big away losses at Newcastle and Liverpool, where I think um, they're two teams who we're looking at. You know, we're very yeah. close to where we're above Newcastle in the league now. We're uh, I think we're level on points with Liverpool or just behind them. Um, uh, but we'd gone away there, and I think Liverpool did a tactical job on us. At, you know, uh, it was a fantastic display, a tactical display, I thought, from, from Jurgen Klopp. I think Newcastle, um, a lot of factors went wrong for us that day, I think. And I, I do kind of write that off as a bit of a freakish event. Um, but going to Tottenham again, now this was a team that, you know, 
they are up there where Liverpool and Newcastle are. We had to go and get a result at a team like that away from home to sort of put to bed a few questions that might have been asked by Liverpool and Newcastle. And in fairness, in the first half, Tottenham, I think, dominated it largely, although we did have chances. But I think what I noticed was Tottenham's press was so ferocious. Mm -hmm. Um, Villa have... I think away from home in those first 15 minutes in games, we've conceded a lot of goals. That happened at Nottingham Forest as well, um, where the opposition fans are at their loudest. The opposition team are at their most energetic. And Villa have not yet settled into a pattern of play where they can dominate the game, which is what we like to do. So that's probably when opposition teams can catch Villa out. And then, you know, Villa, if we concede, we're having to fight our way back in. Now, Villa, you know, I think Tottenham's uh, press was so ferocious that it was really, really difficult for any team to settle under those. It was the Highline Derby. Yeah, the Highline Derby, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like I say, you know, so, but we kept catching them offside. And I think one thing that that offside trap does is that because the offside flag goes up so late, it presents the illusion yeah. that they have conceded far more chances than we actually have. And it makes you think opposition teams have scored more goals than they actually have. You know, I think Son had the ball in the net three times at the weekend and every time was offside. He could have got a hat trick, but we got the offside trap spot on. Exactly. Uh, and that's an amazing skill in itself. Villa have something like double the amount of offsides than any other team in the league at the moment or, or close to it. It's, it's an incredible skill um, and, and incredible coaching, incredible for these players to pull it off. And I think, as I say, you know, with Tottenham, it was... Uh, we had to survive that press, and you know they did score. You know, frustrating goals conceded, I think, but uh, we fought our way back, and then we came back and won it. And I think the second half, the tactical tweaks, we largely dominated it in the second half. We did, yeah, yeah. So the uh, first half we held on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was it was crucial, I think, because we've had a couple of games where we've conceded early away, gone on to lose Newcastle, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest, um, and Tottenham conceded early. That was a test then, like, can Villa come back and not only come back, but then actually come back and win it? And we did exactly that. It was a big win against a team that's looking for the top four, a team that's very high quality, although they did have a lot of injuries, but also a team that, you know, I think we had to show we can come back and win these games. It was a big, I think it was a mental lesson for the players to learn. This was a very tough game against the top, sorry. Hmm. But in that game, I was very impressed. How well reacted after going one 0 down. Because in that game, we, we didn't panic, and I think we showed a lot of character hmm. away from home to get that result. Absolutely, it was um yeah exactly that, and um, I think showing that character stands us in good stead going forward because you know we are going to go one down again at some point. It's going to um, happen, yeah. Exactly. You know, you go away somewhere like an Arsenal or whoever and they put us under pressure for the first 20 minutes to score in the 10th minute. But I think what we did at Tottenham, it showed that we can work our way back into a game. And I think that was an as you, exactly as you say, an important show of character and uh, important lesson for the players to learn that they can get back into these games going forward if, if they end up in those sort of uh, scenarios. Because this result, I think it was really crucial it was a good statement showing we are capable. Firstly, dare I say it, the Champions League. <laughs> but I think we, we've got a real good chance. And we've got a very special team. We have an elite coach. Mm. 
Absolutely. You know, we've got a truly elite coach. And, you know, um, with the Champions League, there could also be five places this season. Um, I was kind of laughing. Exactly. Um, I was kind of laughing at Manchester United struggling in the Champions League, but then I realised that them not getting through might actually mean that fifth place doesn't become a Champions League place. That's interesting. Yeah, so now I'm suddenly supporting Man United full tilt (laughs) for the first time ever in my life. Um, Because, yeah, um, if, if... if there's a top five that gets through, uh, brilliant. Um, but, you know, if it is that top four, it's going to be very, very competitive. But, you know, I, I kind of had to recalibrate how I think with Villa, you know, because I've always thought, you know, if we get top eight, brilliant, you know. But looking at it this season and the players that we have and the coach we have, if we can avoid injuries, um, you really have to believe Villa can can do something. And, you know, I think it is time as Villa fans that maybe well, look we... Look at Alex Lorraine having... Jacob Ramsey's come back. Exactly. And, you know, they both, you know, well, you know, uh, Ramsey, you know, hasn't played too much since he's come back. But um, Moreno got a good run out against Warsaw, got a goal. Excellent goal. Wonderful goal. Exactly. And looked more... I I keep... I've been saying this all season, as well as Dean and Cash have played, I still think Moreno is a more dynamic fullback. He's a slightly more modern fullback. He's capable of beating a man more regularly than I think Dean and Cash can. And I think that when we play those low block teams against, say, like a Nottingham Forest away, mm-hmm. we really struggle to break them down out wide. And I think that having Moreno, if, say, Bournemouth try and do that to us this weekend, having Moreno is so important because you just feel that he can beat a man. And it makes he us a him, better team, I think. Absolutely. And that left-hand side, you know, at Warsaw, seeing Ramsey and Moreno playing together again, it reminded me of last season. It was like seeing your favourite band reunite. <laughs> you know, the Beatles have got back together. Uh, it was a, uh, it was, it was great to see. And uh, if they can come back into fitness now, and if we can keep our team, you know, fingers crossed, free from injury, this December period suddenly, you know, we've got a lot of games, a lot of very tough games as well. You're halfway through the season, then. Exactly, you're halfway through the season, and if those two players are coming back in, suddenly Villa have a whole new dynamic that we can throw at opposition teams, and we really have to believe that we can compete for the top four. So in the Spurs game. Who's your player of the match, Franka? Yeah, uh, I thought about this. Um, I think there's something to be said for Tielemans' impact when he came on. Um, Just came on and I think calmed it down a bit. I think that outright with Cash and Diaby, we weren't retaining the ball very well. And I think Cash looked a bit overawed just with the the press. Um, You know, and, and in fairness to him, he's not used to playing further forward. It's not something he does all the time. Uh, and I think that, you know, he got that book in for the, for the foul on uh, Benson Kerr and you just kind of feared he might be on for a red card. But mm-hmm. I think that bringing B- Bailey, who's much more comfortable further forward... Gives um, more width as well. Offers more width. is more reliable at beating a man. Uh, and then you had Tielemans, who was just uh, somebody who came in, could come a bit deeper and link up play a bit better with Douglas Ruiz and Kamara and McGinn. And uh, just offered us an extra, pla- extra extra body on the ball to just take a second, you know, and withstand the press a bit better than I think we did in the first half. And I think he made a big difference. But in the end, I think Emi Martinez as well made some massive saves. Um, so I think I'd have to go between Martinez and Yuri Tielemans. Yeah, I mean, Martinez, he pulled off some excellent saves. He played another match performance. But also, I was really impressed with uh, Dougie. Mm. I think, in my opinion, Douglas Louise 
was very influential in the game. He was really bossy in the midfield. Oh, yeah. And he was dictating the place of the game. Mm. He's a he's a fantastic player and he does that all the time and he did it again at Tottenham, particularly in the second half, I think. As I say, in the first half, I think we had to ride out the storm um, yeah. and getting that late goal was very important. At Douglas Ruiz's cross for that first goal to Pal Torres, absolutely fantastic. Um, what a ball that was. And he repeated the trick again against Warsaw, didn't he, with the Reyes goal? Because um, a lovely forward to cross. Yeah. And uh, I, th I just think Douglas Ruiz, uh, I really believe he's a world-class midfielder now. Oh, yeah. He's, he's in the Brazil squad now. He's in the Brazil squad. I think he could be. He should be starting for them, really. Uh, I th I, you know, I, I imagine there's a lot of people who don't watch Villa regularly who probably don't quite appreciate how good Luis actually is. But I always refer back to when uh, Pep Guardiola, when Man City sold him, I remember Pep Guardiola's reaction was one of anger because they had to sell him because they couldn't get him a work permit because they couldn't guarantee the game time, which really could. And uh, I remember Guardiola being really annoyed about it. And, I, you know, you think back on that now and you think he clearly saw something in this guy. There's something being Mikel Arteta clearly sees in him because he desperately wants him at Arsenal, doesn't he, by the sounds of it? Yeah. But uh, to have to have him at Aston Villa beating the, be this somebody who's grown at Villa and developed at Villa. He gets better and, and better. Every game, it feels like he does something where you can't believe what he's doing. Exactly as you say, Chad, he, he just gets better and better. And he has this particular skill set, I think, where the ball comes to him and he's able to put his foot on it and just drag it back. I feel like he'll drag it back and suddenly it kind of works a new angle. Like, I, I, I can't, he kind of looks like a Man City player. He looks like somebody who could be, he, he, you know, he's just, um, he's just a brilliant, brilliant player um, and absolutely a gold standard asset at Aston Villa. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does for the rest of the season. And, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. going forward for a very long time at Villa. But the thing of that guy I liked as well is Douglas Louise. He was very clever playing them free kicks for us. Mm. But taking the sting out of the guy, a relieving pressure from Tottenham's constant attacks. Yeah, he does that very well. Um, there's a few players that do that as well for Villa. I think Emi Martinez is very canny at it as well, taking his time. A lot of fans moan about it, opposition fans moan about it, but we take it. You know, you know, top teams win by being not just by being excellent on the ball, but by being intelligent um, when they need to relieve pressure. And Louise is very good at that. I think Esri Kontz is good at it as well. I think he's good at winning a foul when we need it, just taking the edge off an opposition attack. We, we, I think it shows and demonstrates that we have a, a range of players who are who have learnt well uh, in recent years, learnt well off Emery, um, and um, are winners have have a, have a an attitude yeah. to win, not just a, a, not just a, a ball playing ability, but a, a sort of winners mentality, which I think at Villa for a long time we've not. That's had what they like Emery. I think is bringing to the players. Absolutely. It's a, it's a winning mentality that, as you say, Unai Emery is instilling in this team and uh, finding a way of winning. Um, it's it's amazing to watch at Villa, isn't it? Well, I think of the Spurs guy, I think Unai Emery really showed his elite coaching skills. But uh, do you think Unai Emery's tactical substitutions 
change the game? Absolutely. Um, I think it was partly as well. I, I was really shocked at how Tottenham... I've watched Tottenham a few times this season and I think they've been exceptional in some games with James Madison and Van der Ven particularly yeah. really standing up to me. And we were fortunate that both of them didn't play. But I was really taken aback by just how ferocious their press was in the first half. And it was so difficult to play out. But at the same time, we did find a way through. We did create chances. We had quite a few chances in the first half. Um, particularly, out, I feel like Dean getting forward on the left, I think, created a few things. But at the same time, we, you know, Cash was looking vulnerable, I thought, outright, and looked like he might be on course for a red card. Matthew Cash really struggled. Yeah. So, you know, as you say, like those tactical substitutions that Emery made, they were crucial because, you know, I think Bailey for uh, for Cash was quite, a, 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 you know, a, a logical one. Yeah. But I think bringing Diaby off, you know, wasn't necessarily a logical decision. It was one that you thought, oh, Diaby's a high-quality player. You said about Diaby going on the right wing, didn't you? Yeah, I, I wondered if Diaby could... I did, because Diaby played out on the right for Bayer Leverkusen. And that's where he excelled. And we've we've not played him on the right yet. And I wondered if maybe what he could have done was give Diaby 15 minutes out on the right and then bring in, say, a Tielemans or put uh, Ramsey out on the left and bring McGinn out to the right. Maybe just see what happens. Just see. It. But I think he's committed to having Diaby as that second striker and doesn't yeah. really want to diverge from that. Um, so I think bringing Tielemans in, it wasn't to me, it wasn't the most obvious substitution, but it was an absolutely crucial one in the end because Tielemans made a massive difference and, uh, I, you know, got the assist as well for the second goal and um, proved it once again just what a tactical mastermind Emery is. You know, saw that it wasn't necessarily working in the first half, made the changes that were needed in the in, uh, half time. It's not the first time. Don't a tactical masterclass. Exactly. Um, he just finds a way, doesn't he, Emery? Uh, in a way that managers in recent years, I think, have waited too long for substitutions or made the wrong substitutions. Whenever Emery makes a change, you just feel it's the right one. And more often than not, it is the right one. Good. With Matty Cash, he struggled on the right wing and he got booked as well. Mm. So I think it's a very wise decision. But who knows, Emery? I agree. And also, Diaby, he looks very quiet. But sometimes you get you get you get guys like that. But bring, and also, bringing on Yuri Tiedemans, I think that guy has more control in the midfield. I've already enjoyed his fantastic assist. Mm. Tiedemans sitting at Watkins. Mm. Tiedemans was... always seems to get assist but get goals for us yeah um i think he got a he had a crucial couple of passes against crystal palace at home didn't he as well um i think with telemans you know i think he started this season a bit slow and i was a bit worried you know he didn't play that well last season for leicester but i've always really liked telemans as a player i've always thought he's a a couple of years, seasons ago, I thought he might have gone somewhere like an Arsenal, something like that. He had that kind of a sort of, you know, quick passing, you know, good move, good passer of the ball, high quality on it. Um, so when he came to Villa, I was really happy. But you know, it did start a bit slow for him. Um, but ever since that Altmar game, you know, where we won four one away, where he was brilliant yeah. playing as as the second striker, um, it's, it was a revelatory um, 
role for him. It's not one that I thought he'd play for Villa. But ever since that game, he's been really, really good for Villa, making really crucial, uh, having crucial moments in games, having a crucial impact. And again, as a, as a squad player, who doesn't always start, but one who, when he does start, does the job. And when one when he comes in for 30 minutes, also does the job, um, as he did at Spurs. Um, and that, as you say, that second goal, the assist was lovely. But the whole goal, you know, from start to finish, passing it from the back patiently to a wonderful finish from Watkins. It was just classic Emery goal uh, and one that I, I love watching at Aston Villa Patience plays, huh? Exactly that. And also, I think that guy, Leon Bailey, I mean, I don't know, I know he knows he doesn't know what to be called this, but he's a super sub. <laughs> he's a great impact player. I think when Leon Bailey come on, he looked more of a threat on the front foot. Mm. I think using his pace gave us an outlet. Absolutely. Um, his, again, Bailey's a little bit like Tielemans um, in that, uh, you know, after two years at Villa with Bailey, I'd kind of lost faith in him. I hold my hands up to that. I'd, uh, there'd been games where he'd looked exceptional and unplayable. And an example of that was Manchester United 3-1 last season. He was yeah. absolutely fantastic in that game. But he just didn't do that regularly enough. Um, but clearly Emery saw something in him. And again, it shows you the ability of Emery to see this and to have faith in players. And ever since the 4-0 against Everton this season where Bailey got a goal and an assist, as you say, Chad, him as an outlet on the right has been absolutely consistently excellent. You know, he's a lot of fans guys will play for him. Yeah, and that was it. I was I was sort of one of them. I, I thought I just never thought we were ever going to see the consistency from him. I thought we might see the odd brilliant game, but not enough consistency. Ever since that Everton game back in August when we won four 0 he has consistently offered something really, really threatening for Villa, and it's heartwarming to see. And it's it, I never have I been more happy to be proven wrong, ever. And hopefully, he continues this kind of form for the rest of the season. So, and there I are. It's been the headlines for the wrong reasons at the moment. Yeah. But we're talking about the Spurs guy in there. What do you make of the VAR offside decisions against Spurs? Um, they were all correct, to be honest. Um, and in a way, you know, playing the high line with Villa, in a way, VAR benefits us because those offsides are so tight, the linesman would struggle to get that right. Regularly, I think, um, and they are kind of it kind of helps us in that regard. Actually, the offside that I, I do question was the uh, the uh, Ollie Watkins's disallowed goal. Yeah, also not a bit unsure about if that was at first. But I, like not, to, look, yeah, it pretty is now though. I think yeah. I th I, well, I'd like to see semi-automated offside on that one, just because from one angle, yeah. I really thought it looked onside. And even from the reverse angle, you could think it maybe looked a toenail offside, but really, really was so tight that I was like, I think you have to give benefit of the doubt on that and give it. Um, it was really hard to tell. And I think semi-automated offside. I would have been intrigued to see whether it Go was. And he... When he played the cross, yeah. Watkins did the Watkins not offside position. No, he didn't. Yeah, exactly. It was um, very, very tough to call that. Uh, so... To be honest, you know, I, you know, I, I look at that and I think, I, th I think benefit of the doubt they could have given that goal. To be honest, but unfortunately, it didn't didn't end up costing us though. You can think of the modern guy, 
those are the rules now. But I think if that was years ago, it might have been a different story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely would have been. Um, and like I say, I think that VAR in a way is helping teams with high lines um, because, like I say, you know, there's a lot of them offsides that are really hard to tell. Like last season, for instance, I, I was sat, I was at Villa Park when we beat Crystal Palace one nil, and in the first half of that game, Wilfred Zaha had a goal that was uh, given up, given yeah. um, uh, offside by VAR. But originally, the linesman gave it as onside, and I was directly in line with it, um, like literally in line with the linesman. I thought he was miles onside. Uh, honestly, that it's so hard yeah. to tell. Um, and then VAR showed he was slightly off, and I was I was amazed at that. Um, so shows you in real time how difficult that job is, but also um, would also say that I'd be a rubbish linesman as well. <laughs> but also, um, yeah, as I say, I think VAR it does you know as there's a lot of annoyances with it. A lot of people seem to want to get rid of it. I get that. Yeah. I still am supportive of it. Um, I'm probably in a minority there, but I just I keep the goal technology. Yeah, keep goal line technology. Semi-automated offside seems a bit of a no-brainer, I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, at the moment VR is actually it's actually helping teams with with um, with high lines. Also, the Paul Torres goal that was clearly onside. Oh yeah, I think the referee got that right. I know even the Aston Villa fan, I might sound biased, but I think majority of Tottenham's offsides were all correct decisions. I agree, yeah. Because that, that, that son, he could have got a hat trick. Oh, yeah. But luckily, he didn't. Yeah. Um, I think there's two twofold on that one. You have to think. I think Son's been caught offside more so than maybe any other player in the league or close to it. But by the same... So he'll probably look at it and think he, he should work on that. But at the same time... Villa's offside track. It's absolutely amazing coaching. The gate is spot really on. Is. It's just amazing, isn't it? I, I I can't believe how good we are at it, to be honest. Genius. And yeah, exactly that. And and the amount of times that an opposition teams will be thrown goal, and I'm you know the linesman doesn't lift his flag because he has to ha delay it. And I'm like, I know this is going to be offside. Just, just and then when it's given off, you're like, there we go. Uh, Any time an opposition team scores, I'm always like, surely it's offside. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about Martinez. We've been very lucky to have the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. But he pulled off some great saves in that Spurs guy. But what was your, what was your favourite save? Yeah. I... In the Spurs guy. God, there's a lot of them. In the first half, he pulled off a really big one, pushing it away. Uh, I think it was Kulusevsky made the assist. I can't remember who hit it. Maybe Brennan Johnson. But second half, that save he made from Brennan Johnson sticking his foot out and then straight after it, I think it was Schoenberg had the shot from distance. And oh, unbelievable reflexes. I think Emi Martinez, and I, you know, I don't know whether you agree with this, I think he's the best shot-stopping goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else who's better. I can't think of anyone else. And, and like you say, because he plays that high, we play this high line, so every now and again a team is going to beat it and they are going to get a one-on-one. -on -one. And I can think of the Chelsea game this season. A couple of times, Ben Chilwell, Raheem Sterling got through. And having a keeper like Martinez there bails you out because he yes. makes so many crucial saves. He saves us games. He does. 
And do you know what, Chad? I think he's um he's won the Yashin Award, so he's recognised as the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. But I still think in in within England uh, and the Premier League, I still think he's a bit underrated. I always hear people go on about how great Edison is and Allison is, and how and they are fantastic goalkeepers. Yeah, Edison, you can play I... for They'll be talking about him all day. Exactly that they would, because I think he's. I think Edison's the best goalkeeper on on the ball in the world, but I don't think anyone's better than Martinez at saving the ball. And I also think that Martinez is underrated on the ball. He, he never makes mistakes. Really, he's great. He, he makes the right pass all the time. He's, I, I, I think he's like a bizarrely underrated in the Premier League. But I think on a global scale, he's probably very much recognised for the absolutely incredible, incredible goalkeeper that he really is. Yeah, because I think you're that guy. He really showed everyone the reason why he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, and he, he definitely proved it in that game. Yeah. Completely. And uh, it was fantastic. I was at the stadium for the Fulham game and he went out, he came up before. You know, he had this amazing TIFO for him, which I love to see. I'd love us to have a banner for him at Villa Park that's as well. That's permanently there. Yeah, and um, you know, and he had that Yashin Award showing it to us, and it was well deserved. You know, he made one of the greatest saves of all time in the World Cup final from Colin Mawani. He made him massive saves over and over again for Villa. He's, he's an incredible goalkeeper, and I really hope that we can get Champions League to to keep a player like him at Villa. Park yeah, because not Martinez, he would definitely want Champions League football. Yeah. And he deserves it. He's a brilliant player and he deserves to be playing in the Champions League. And hopefully we can give that to him at Villa. Well, so Frankie, we'll speak about last night's guy. Yeah. So what is your verdict from Thursday night's game against Legia Warsaw? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm delighted we won. Um, you know, uh, Warsaw are, are a good side. They're a good outfit. And playing in Europe is a different animal to playing in, in the Premier League. Lots of different factors as to why that is. Thursday night being one of them. Um, but also playing teams that are probably better than we appreciate sometimes. So it was good that we got the win. I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't win by two clear goals. So it means we still have to go get a result in Bosnia. Yes, because they were top of the group at the moment. But last night, <laughs> if we got three goals, we would have secured it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it is a shame we didn't, um, just because it means you probably have to bring one or two more players out to Bosnia that you might have preferred to just keep in the UK, having a rest on the sunbed or something, you know, um, in the jacuzzi. They said they'll be in Bosnia uh, playing a tough game, you know, a team that defended very well at Villa Park and will probably do the same uh, in Mostar. Um, but, you know, we only have to get a draw. So I'm hopeful that we, you know, can still put out a, a team that's not necessarily our strongest eleven. Still yeah. get the result we need. Um, but I think, you know, the Warsaw game, I think uh, I, 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 I'm I pleased with it. I, you know, I'm pleased, you know, we got the win. I think, uh, like I say, I think they're probably a better outfit than, you know, a lot of people probably appreciate. Um, a couple of really good performances from, um, I think, Diaby's goal was brilliant. I thought Bailey did very well when he came on and it was, it was unfortunate he didn't score. Uh, and it was brilliant to see Moreno back, particularly, and Ramsey coming on as well. I think Moreno, he looked a bit rusty. He did at the start of the game, he did, yeah. 
Yeah, but you still saw that dynamism. You still saw him get into the byline and pulling it back. And in the first half, those pullbacks didn't come off. In the second half, he looked much more like his old self, I thought. That was a wonderful um, goal he scored. Fantastic goal, wasn't it? I mean, what, a way to, what a way to come back. Yeah, what a way to come back and get your first goal for Villa. A volley on your weaker foot. I mean, that is that was very special. It was great to see him. Um and uh, and yeah, so he he stood out to me. I think um, really delighted he's back. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm delighted we won, but a, a bit disappointed we didn't get that you know the two goal cushion that we needed to to guarantee top of the group. Thank you. Scroll up the notes a bit. I just uh, well, in my opinion, I thought he's a very entertaining guy. Mm. I think from the word go. I think we worked hard for the victory. But it was against a tough opponent. Mm. I don't think it was an easy game. But uh, I think first half, there was a few sloppy moments. Yeah. But I thought Yuri Tielemans was absolutely excellent. He's a great squad player to have, Yuri Tielemans. Yeah. And he's versatile. And also, Andy, Andy Arby had a good guy. Yeah. I mean, that first goal, for instance, that was Tielemans and Diaby, wasn't it? Um, you know, Kamara won it back, laid it to Tielemans, and Tielemans' pass was so perfectly weighted. Uh, and then what Diaby did from there, you know, from the right wing, cutting in on his left and burying it, it was a fantastic finish and a brilliant, brilliant goal. Also, with the Alex Moreno goal, we have to give a lot of credit to Austin McFay. Yeah. He's a great free kick routine, that was. Yeah. I call him the wizard because I think he looks a bit like a wizard from Lord of the Rings. Um, I could see him say... <laughs> I could see, yeah, see, see him like hanging out with Gandalf and the two of them come conjuring some set piece magic. And uh, as you say, like, there's no, you know, I, you know, we, we all talk about Danny Murphy talking down the, the role of a set piece coach. But there's there's a reason Aston Villa set pieces are so so dangerous, and why we get so many goals, mm -hmm. and why we're one of the top scoring teams from set pieces in the league, and have been for quite a while now. And that has to be the inclusion of Austin McPhee. He's doing a brilliant job at Villa, and um, you know I, I, ga I gather that Nottingham Forest are looking for a set piece coach, and they struggle to find one because apparently it's one of the toughest roles to fill in the in the Could league. Could have been the, pun the pundits. Not many of them actually appreciate what Austin McPhee has actually done. Absolutely. You know, and it, like, like I say, you know, refer back to Danny Murphy, even recently talking down one of Villa's set-piece goals and saying they're not exactly reinventing the wheel. But it was like, what Villa's set-pieces are, are so thoroughly thought through, imaginative, and always, always look threatening. And when you compare that to the Gerrard era, when our set-pieces were literally just lump it in the box and hope for the best. And that surely meant that Gerard had sort of, well, look, I don't know for sure, but yeah. just my eye test is telling me that Austin McPhee didn't have as much influence under Gerard as he clearly does under Unai Emery. And again, that shows you the brilliance of Emery, that he's, he's not a, a micromanager in the sense he can go, Austin McPhee is better than me at set-piece coaching, and this is what you're going to do. I believe in you and go and make some magic happen. And lo and behold, Look, it happens. Um, it's, it is. It, I think. I think he's a very special addition to the Villa coaching staff. 
because yeah, it's not just Illinois Emery. Yeah. It's all the coaching stuff. They do their duties. Exactly. Um, you know, you've got Paco Ayesteren as well, who, um, you know, he excelled under Rafa Benitez at Liverpool. And when he left Liverpool, Rafa Benitez's his tenure there didn't last that much longer. Oh, yeah. You know, they weren't as good. Um, you know, I think Ayesteren is a very, very highly thought of coach in the game. And I think that him working with Emery, they're two very, very smart footballing minds, probably very imaginative footballing minds and probably can bring the best out of each other. He's, you know, we've got a, we've got, we're very, it, it, we've got a very strong coaching staff, I'll put it like Ooh, that. Oh, yeah. Frank, you just go, uh, just go a drink. Yep. I'll grab one as well. Gets quite hot doing the podcast. It's uh, the lighting and all that. Uh, for anybody watching, it can be uh, quite a <laughs> quite a heated experience. Grab another one of those. Actually. So we're going to talk about the Bournemouth guy. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday, we travelled to the South Coast against the Cherries. Yeah. So what do you expect from Bournemouth on Sunday? Do not underestimate Bournemouth. Um, they well, had I think a bad... it's going to be a tougher game, I think, you know. Absolutely, I agree. Um, I think they've got a very, very smart coach. A coach who might be a young Unai Emery. That's the way I put it. I think he's started his career very impressively uh, in Iriola, both from the Basque country as well. You know him and Emery. The Basque country producing some incredible managers at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them. And Iriola is another one. And um, I think Bournemouth had a very, very tough start to the season. They had a very tough fixture list. And for a new manager coming in with very new ideals and new methods, it's very hard for the team to, to perform in those circumstances. But clearly the players believe in what he's doing because, you know, whilst they struggled at the start of the season, in the last month they've got their act together. And this was a pressure month for Iriola because if they continued losing, he, he could have got the sack. Instead, they've, they've gone and got three out of four wins, I think, a, a win over Newcastle at home. Yeah, they beat Newcastle. That was a shock, that was. Massive win. And they outclassed Newcastle in that game. It could have been... They could have won by four, honestly. Um, I don't think this guy... He's going to be tougher than the Spurs guy. He could be. Definitely could be. Um, I, I doubt Bournemouth will drop off in energy levels in the way Spurs did um, in the second half, just because I don't think they'll pressure as ferociously as Spurs did. But uh, what the, what Bournemouth do is they, you know, Iriola teams do, is they do press very high. And if they win the ball back, they create a lot of chances from it. I think Bournemouth have one of the highest creation uh levels in the league uh, from winning the ball back high up, but they, they don't take those chances as regularly as other teams do. Yeah. Um, so we may have to rely on Martinez. You know, Nick Pope made a lot of saves. Emmy Martinez might have to make quite a few saves as well. It'll be interesting to see how Bournemouth play against a high line. Uh, I'm not sure they'll... Yeah. I'm not sure they've played one quite as high as we do. Um, but, I, you know, Tavernier, Semenya as well... Uh, two very, very effective players. And I think the wide areas are where Bournemouth might try and hurt us. But also, Iriola teams are not afraid to go direct. So if they get the ball and they might try and repeat the Nottingham Forest trick, get that ball deep, 
quick one over the top. Um, you know, hit that high line as quick as they can. Yeah, Dominic Solanke is a great player. He's good. Yeah. He, he didn't get a lot of goals at first for Bournemouth. And you did wonder, like, you know, is he Premier League quality? But in the last, you know, year and a half, he's really come on leaps and bounds. And, you know, he's got a couple of goals recently. Uh, I think he got another one against... Uh, he got one against Newcastle. I think he got another one against uh, Sheffield United. Um they're good. He's a he's a very effective talisman. Um, so I think I think in the wide areas they could hurt us and they could hurt us direct if from deep. But also, can Villa beat their fullbacks? You know, if we have Moreno, I think that's a big oh, addition yeah. because I don't want to see a repeat of what happened with Forest, where our fullbacks couldn't beat their fullbacks, and also their wingers tend to come back. You know, Iriola wingers tend to come back and help their fullbacks. So that's going to be hard to beat that. So we might rely on. You know, I don't want to say a moment of magic because it reminds me of Steven Gerrard, but a moment of a moment where we do beat their fullbacks. You know, Moreno beats them and pulls it back, or we may have to try and outplay them in the centre. That's gonna we can do that. You know, if, if yeah. Bournemouth try, try and outplay us, I think Villa will outplay them, and that's how we can win it. But also, I think we may have to work it through the middle. Um, and without Kamara there, that's going to be harder. Uh, but I am intrigued to see who who plays deeper. Um, I instinctively think he might go Tielemans, um, playing alongside yeah. Douglas Luiz and McGinn further forward on the right, and maybe Ramsey comes back in on the left. But it's it'll be interesting to see what he does. I'm I'm not fully sure what he's going to do at the moment. It's going to be harder because it's more pressure of us. We're the favourites going into the game. Yeah, pressure to get a result. But with Eli Emery, he'll thrive with that pressure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, it's a test for Villa as well because, you know, uh, against Forest, Liverpool, Tottenham, uh, Newcastle, in all four of those away games, um, we've conceded early goals. Um, and in a few of those games, they've been very early, you know, five minutes, six minutes. And if Bournemouth presses very high and the crowd's up and energetic on Sunday and we're coming off a Thursday night game, Villa have to settle early. We can't concede early because if we do, it could be a bit of a repeat of the Forest game. Did we have to get a clean sheet? Yes, definitely. We we do, we are conceding um, the odd goal, even though we're winning a lot. Uh, as you say, it'd be nice to keep a clean sheet, and um, I think we can for sure. But I do think this is going to be this is going to be a tougher game. You know, considering we got City and Arsenal coming up, our eyes are probably looking at them as the games where you're thinking, bloody hell, they're tough. But I just think Bournemouth away, with the form they're getting into now, with a very oh, yeah. smart coach in Iriola, um, I do think they're going to cause us problems. But at the same time, we're definitely going to cause them problems. And uh, I do hope that Ollie Watkins is fit. You know, he's 50-50. Because, again, you know, the, the, the Warsaw game did show us how important a player he is for Villa. Because, we, you know, Duran played well. He's, he's raw, isn't he? Oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's got real quality, but there's still things he does where you think Ollie Watkins wouldn't do that. Watkins just is a more mature player. He's seven, eight years older than Duran, so he just has that experience and surety up front that Duran doesn't yet have. Um, so um, I, I do hope that uh, Watkins is back for sure. Well, I'll tell you some interesting facts about Era over. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just scroll up to the little other bit? Yeah, because he was a right back in his career. Spent the majority of his career 
Athletic Bilbao. Mm -hmm. 410 competitive appearances in 12 seasons. That's very impressive. Oh, yeah. And he played international level for Spain in 2008, 2011, and 2012. And I know not long ago, Leeds United were interested in him as a manager. Mm. And in 2018 as well, he started his managing career at Raya Vallecano. Yeah. For three years. Yeah. And also, there's an interesting fact as well, Frankie. In his career, he played alongside Nicola Arteta and Chubby Alonso mm. at a youth team called Alting Galoka. Well, I never knew that. So, yes, he's had a bit of an interesting career. Hmm. Well, before, before I carry on to more talk show, uh, I'll talk a bit about what happened last night. Mm -hmm. It was actually oh, horrific scenes. Yeah. Disgusting behaviour. Yeah. For the Legia Warsaw fans. So I hope all the fans last night, I hope they returned home safe. Yeah. Here, here, you know, it's... Uh... You know, I know Aston Villa have lodged a complaint uh, to UEFA today about uh, the actions of well, what happened on Thursday night. A lot of questions to be asked of Lechia Warsaw, the club itself, you know, how they distributed their tickets. You know, there's some, probably some fans, who, Warsaw fans, who went out there with, you know, just wanted to see a game and for whatever reason couldn't get hold of their tickets. And But at the same time, there were other fans who clearly didn't go up there for uh, to see a game and went out there to you know, throw things into the whole tent or to, you know, cause problems. And uh, a lot of questions to answer for that club. There's going to have to be a proper investigation. Yeah. Sanctions to be taken, of course. I think uh, your uh, wife, uh, they should give them a big fine for this, I reckon. Absolutely. Because it's, it's not fair, you know, that, you know, the, the the pressure that puts on the police at Villa, you know, at Villa, and they did a fantastic job in stopping, you know, some of them got injured. So my thoughts are with those who got injured. They did a fantastic job in keeping, you know, the Villa fans safe, really. Because yeah. um, who knows what could have happened. And, you know, it's not Ooh, fair yeah. that Villa fans go to a game on a Thursday night, excited to see a European game and have the potential threat of, you know, fans kicking off like that. You know, you know, football gives you a great identity. It gives you a community. Um, but I have absolutely no time for fans who want to go abroad. It spoils and, it. It just spoils it for others. Exactly. Fans who want to go go abroad or go anywhere and cause trouble and ruin someone's day, I've got no time for that at all. And there shouldn't be anywhere near football people who act like that, to be honest. Because you know that walkway where they're, where they're throwing missiles, I usually go through there. Exactly. But luckily, last night, I wasn't there last night. Exactly. You know, imagine if it had hit, you know, they'd thrown something, it'd hit you or, or, or something. Yeah. You know, they, they, they have to take action. There's no, there's no excuse. You know, whatever frustrations the fans have at not getting tickets or whatever, there's no excuse for behaving the way a lot of their fans did last night. It was really, really terrible behaviour. Well, so I'll move on from that uh, topic. Uh, so what's your score prediction for Sunday? Oh, 
I think it's going to be a tough, tough game this one. But I think we're going to. I think you know. I'm going to say. I'm going to say we win. We don't tend to win at Bournemouth. But I think we're going to. I'm going to say we do it. I'm going to say we we get a two-one uh, win. Two-one. I think we might do the same thing again. Concede early, but I think we might fight back. And uh, if Watkins plays, we'll score. But if he doesn't, uh, maybe like a Ramsey, somebody like that. But yeah, two-one. I'm going to go three-one away win. I like to hear that, Chad. I like to hear it. I like your confidence. <laughs> Does it come in? We have to believe that we can beat anybody. Absolutely. You know, if you want to get Champions League, you know, we we got to we we got to, or if we want Europe at least this season, we got to keep winning at home as we've been doing. But you know, away from home, you know, there's a few little patterns that we haven't we got to fix. You know, conceding early being one of them. Um, we've got to get results away from home at tough places like Bournemouth, and this is this is one of those tests. And uh, fortunately, under Uno Emery, we keep passing tests, and hopefully, we do this weekend. So, Frank, I know the work that you know that I'm doing on the podcast, but could you keep spreading the word about it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love I love spreading the word about your podcast. To be honest, Chad, I think you do an absolutely fantastic job. Thank you're in a, you. uh, honestly inspirational what you do and you're a brilliant interviewer as well I've been doing interviewing for 10 years I work in the media interviewed a lot of people and I think that you're as good as anybody to be honest Chad you're brilliant at it oh that and, means uh, a lot honestly a fantastic addition to the Villa podcast world because we're very lucky in, in the Villa fan base to have such fantastic podcasts everywhere there's so many of them and a really you know a great community of very friendly people nice people no one embarrasses us you know there's other uh, fan bases that have some cringeworthy podcasts I'll put it like that but fortunately we don't seem to have any of that um, hopefully I'm not one of them <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah um, you know I host all Villa no filler of course I do that with my good friend George Zielinski is a, He's a great guy as well George Lovely bloke, yeah. BBC presenter as well, you know. So, um, you know, he's a real, got a real, you know, he's a real asset to have on the podcast. It's a good and... channel. I do watch that regularly. That all Villa no filler. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, we try to, you know, we try and, uh, you know, I, I try and make it as fun as I can. Um, you know, because there's so many podcasts doing such great content. Um, I don't know. I just try and make it as fun as I can, and try and get as many great interviews as I can with, you know, people who, um, you know, are. Uh, you know, experts in their field as well. So just just try and offer something a, a bit different. But, you know, like I say, there's so many great podcasts. But, and it's a real privilege to, to know that there's people who listen to us. And I see our listenership is going up all the time. Our views on YouTube, our subscribe account is oh, going on. So I'd really appreciate it. Anybody watching this, please go and subscribe to All Villa No Filler. And, yeah, uh, I, reckon, I recommend that podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, as a, Chad. I, I massively appreciate that. And I, I, I endlessly recommend people uh, subscribe to your channel, Keep listening to you because what the what you're doing is brilliant. It really is. Oh, well, I'm going to read out some live comments. I've got one off my uncle. Oh yeah. So John Blevins. So he said, "Do you think Villa will buy bring in any new players in the transfer window in January?" Very good question. Um, I tend to think if we have an injury. That will change the dynamic of whether we do or not. You know, a key injury to someone, you know, a long-term injury to a very key player, like a, you know, let's say a Martinez or a Watkins. Touch wood, God, that never happens. But if something did happen, we might have to consider it. But if the squad stays the way it is, uh, 
there might be one signing if 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 there's if Munch is an opportunity to get somebody in for a, a relatively cheap fee, you know, like a like a Moreno last season at fourteen million. I'll try to get Mario right back. Yeah, a right back would be very, very nice. Well, you know, it's a competition for Matthew Cash. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think Cash does need competition at right back. Um, and uh, a right back who you think can just beat a man. I love Cash, but he's not great at beating that, uh, a man at a low block. So mm-hmm. I think that maybe having a player who can come in and maybe do that with more, more, more reliably. Cash is very good when he's got space to run into. Um, I think, you know, having effectively a Moreno on the right side would be very nice. So if someone like that comes available, I could see it happening. But if I was to guess, I think, you know, I think Villa at the moment probably are happy with the squad we've got. But like I said, if there's I an injury... I don't think we'll do that loads of dealings, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I think... Obviously a backup goalkeeper. Yes. Definitely. Do you, do you think Do you think we'll sign anybody? Uh, maybe just not a goalkeeper, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's a shame we got to sign that Dubravka. Is he at Newcastle? Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Do you want to think of else we could sign? Is what, what, yeah. you, what goalkeepers are out there we could sign? Well, oh, um, that is a tough one, you know. Uh, yeah, because there's, there's not many out there. No, and it's a goalkeeper who you think would come in and be happy to be a number two to Martinez, because you know most keepers want to be starting. Uh, that's a very tough role to fill. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you're probably looking in the championship for one who you think might want to step up and yeah, get that Premier League yeah. experience. Um, but you know, you're looking for somebody who's good on the ball, good shot stopper. I don't think we're doing much in the transfer window, I don't think. Because yeah, they're relatively happy with the squad. I don't know where is. I agree. Yeah, I think um, Uno Emery will be uh. Happy with the squad as it is. He tends to ha- like a, a lighter squad normally. He doesn't like, you know, loads. And, you know, I look at Villa's bench now and it's definitely a lot stronger than it used to be in the past. Um, but you just, again, you have to hope that injuries don't happen. And if, if injuries happen, that does change the dynamic a bit. But I, I'm fairly sure Villa would prefer to save their money and go hard in the summer if we have to. Well, we're an hour into this episode. I think I'm going to bring it to a close. Mm-hmm. It's been a real enjoyable podcast. Absolutely. I've absolutely loved chatting with you, Chad. It's been brilliant. So thank you, everyone, for watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like, share, and subscribe to my channel. Also, remember to make sure to keep your post notifications turned on. Also, please let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. Thank you so much, Frankie, for your time. Absolutely. I've loved it. I, I love chatting, Villa, and I love talking to you about it as well. It's it's always great to have a chat with you, Chad. Well, I'm going to wrap up this episode with Up the Villa. <laughs>